You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast with Rico Dosti and Friends, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. Treks and Sci-Fi number 411. My name is Chris, and uh, with me today is... Will. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek comics. Long, long time love of mine, and I'm sure Will's and a lot of people that are on the forums and listen to this podcast. Yeah, I've been reading comics for a long time, and and most of them have been Star Trek. Really? So your main comic book interest is... uh, Star Trek. Mostly Star Trek, but I do uh, dabble in some of the new DC that came out. Oh. See, that's, di- that's different for me. It's different for me. I'm not... I wouldn't say Star Trek is my number one comic, although I do read a lot of Star Trek comics now, and I did. I have read a lot of Star Trek comics, of course, but I wouldn't say that they were my favorite uh, comics, so that's interesting. Oh, no. Star Trek's definitely my favorite. Um, today, I went to get some comics today, and they did not have the Star Trek Doctor Who comic, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if this is going to work out too good. <laughs> but uh, they were delayed for some reason. So yeah, that happens a lot with comic books. Um, my I I don't uh, get as many new release comic books as I used to. I I used to have a comic shop right around the corner from my house, and that was when my comic book habit became about a sixty dollar a week habit. You know that doesn't always go over well at home. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> So I don't read as many new ones. I get to a, uh, we have a bookstore called Books a Million here, and they carry some some new comics, uh, mostly like you know your flagship titles. But they don't usually get Star Trek titles too often. So I had to wait. So you actually have a bookstore in your town? We have a books we have a bookstore. We don't have a comic bookstore anymore. We used to. I got a comic bookstore, but I don't have a regular bookstore. Oh yeah, we have a we have a real it's a real big bookstore. They have about maybe a variety of 30 comics they carry. They don't usually ever have Star Trek comics. So I had to wait until uh, the Doctor Who and uh, TNG came out. The first part came out in graphic novel to read it, which just came out a couple weeks ago, and I got it. So, um, yeah, so this will be fun. Um, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's, there's, there is some, um, some, new, uh, some sci-fi news this week. Of course, there's big, big Star Trek news. They're going to be releasing nine minutes of footage of the new Star Trek Into Darkness uh, in front of The Hobbit in IMAX. I was going to go see The Hobbit anyway, but now I have even uh, more reason to do so. And if you don't have an IMAX theater near you, there is going to be the trailer, the regular theatrical trailer, will be in front of The Hobbit in uh, all screenings as well. So you're still going to get to see something if you go see The Hobbit anywhere. So, which is great. So we've been wondering when, it, when the heck a trailer is going to come out, and it is going to be a full two-plus-minute theatrical trailer, not a teaser. Nice. Yeah. So it's going to, that's, that's going to, not only do you get to see The Hobbit, which is awesome, you get to see uh, new Star Trek. Finally figure out what the heck is going on, what the, what Benedict Cumberbatch is. Hopefully we'll get some hints of that. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. That will be something. So we've been waiting for that news, and now it's finally here. Um, Of course, I think, I know Rico talked about Disney and Star Wars last week, and that's Still, there's ongoing uh, speculation and news on that. They have a writer now. 
and now they're just trying to get it down to a director, and I hear that they have it down to a pool of a few. So, Yeah, I saw the uh, writer that they were talking about. I guess he wrote a couple of pretty uh, popular stories like Toy Story 3 and uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, and Toy Story 3 is, uh, even though it's an animated cartoon, I mean, that's a, that movie really does uh, pull on your heartstrings. That's it a, does. It's a well-written movie, um, and he did Little Miss Sunshine, which uh, which I thought was a really great movie. Uh, he's a good writer, so no uh, no complaints so far. Um, no, me either. I'm sure that eventually that some of these so-called Star Wars fans might start complaining eventually, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping they do get to use some of the original actors too, like uh, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. If I think that would make it pretty cool. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope that uh, I don't think that I need Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher to be carry to carry the movie necessarily, but I would like to see them in some kind of role. I wouldn't mind if it's new characters if they're sort of like the old school, you know. Obviously, they are the old school. <laughs> yeah, I like the old school. Yeah, but I mean, they, you know, what I mean, Harrison Ford, you know, a seventy-year-old Han Solo, you know. It wouldn't. It might not make as much sense for them to be the action stars. Maybe have some younger characters do all that kind of heavy lifting. Yeah. When that news came out, I did not expect to see that, and uh, that's great. I mean, we do have new Star Wars to look forward to. Uh, something I never thought would happen. Yeah, me either. I thought it was going to be maybe some cartoons, but I like a live action movie. Oh yeah. And you know if Disney, you know Disney can do anything they want now with that property. I mean, if they wanted to make an animated Star Wars movie, they could make it. You know, I know Joe Johnston, who uh, is a director. He directed Captain America and Rocketeer, and he he's a, he also worked on the Star Wars movies. He has been wanting to do a Boba Fett movie, like a standalone that, Boba Fett movie, and that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, so maybe these things can happen now. Disney can afford it. Disney is not in the business of not making money. So exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to probably see at some point uh, the un uh, the unfettered with CGI Star Wars original trilogy come out for a limited time out of the Disney vault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you then, better buy it now, or you can't get it for a while. Yes, I used to I used to run a video store, and I remember the the people actually thought that we had those Disney movies in a vault in the back of the store. They would say, I know you have them in the back. I said, I don't know what you think we have back there, but we, we're we not hiding these movies. Uh, once we, we keep them until they, we yeah. sell them, and then that's it. And then Disney just doesn't put them out anymore. So so that's all good news. I mean, there's nothing bad about that. Anybody who thinks there's something bad about that, uh, I, I, I would slap them in their stupid head. <laughs> well, um... Did you hear about the uh, new uh, Star Trek comic strip book that's coming out? Nope. There is a uh, new book coming out. supposed to be in December. I've seen different dates, but towards the end of December, they're putting in book form the comic strip that ran back in the uh, uh, early 80s. Oh. And I think it's all based on um, the Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, really? So So it's that time frame. It's that time frame. Oh, that's interesting. With those horrible uniforms. Yes. Okay. Yep, and it's, there's going to be two volumes, and the first volume is coming out in December. Oh, I've never even seen those, so that would be kind of interesting to read. I like I like uh, older stuff like that. Yeah, me too. It's gonna it's actually on Amazon. You can pre-order it for twenty seven dollars. Okay, I have I have so many things pre-ordered because I just pre-order them without thinking. Yeah, and then when they come, I'm like totally surprised by <laughs> did I really buy this? I forgot I did that. 
Surprise! Which, which is good, because usually the past me will screw over the future me. But every once in a while, past me gives future me a present. And so that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's always nice to get a present. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I pre-order things on Amazon. Amazon is probably my biggest uh, shopping problem. I don't. I, I have a big problem with Amazon. Because they have everything you could possibly want. Mine's probably more eBay than Amazon. Well, eBay, too. I have a problem with that. That's where I get a lot of my... Uh, models and things that I get because you can get pretty good prices on a lot of stuff. So, um, Speaking of models, I guess on the forum I finished that Voyager model that Rick sent me, Rick Moyer, my good friend. Yes. Uh, and that came out, I think, pretty good. Um, oh, I think it looks really nice. I saw the pictures and everything. I think it looks really, really good. I never want to do it again. Just <laughs> it was very difficult. I don't know if you do models. And uh, no. Okay. Well, uh, painting a fully assembled model is very, very difficult um, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the detail work, a lot of the smaller parts you can pre-paint so that you don't have to worry about overpainting or whatever, which you can still fix with, you know, everything's fixable, obviously, but it's very difficult to paint. For me, I have big hands, so uh, I've found a a process where I'm able to paint and steady my hand on smaller parts by using my other hand to steady my hand that I'm painting with so I get a nice clean lines but when you're dealing with a full model you don't have anywhere to really find purchase <laughs> so um, it was very very difficult um, but it came out fine and I named, oh, yeah. I did name it the USS Apollo in honor of our Battlestar Galactica podcast since uh, Rick Moyer sent it to me. And also, I'm a, I am love the Apollo space program. It's uh, something I'm fascinated by. And yeah, I even came up with the uh, registry number NCC-1169, Apollo 11 in 1969. So, Oh, you know, I never caught that when I saw that, but that's a, that is a neat way to do it. So anyway, so yeah, it came out fine. And I've been constantly putting pictures up of my progress. And now I'm done with it, and now I have it on the shelf, and I'll build a stand for it eventually, but now I'm done with it and I don't want to have to do it. I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore, but it was it was good to see it come out good. I did not care for when Rick posted the pictures and the video of it. I just was so bothered by the paint job that the guy did on it. I mean, you know, it, it just it was incorrect. Anyway. Well, you, no, you made it look really good. I, I thought it looked really nice on there. Yeah, and the, the most of the, a lot of the came from the great decal uh, decals that I got from uh, from the uh, from a website, I forget the name of it now. Sorry about that. But anyway, they uh, they have they they had some nice decals. And um, let's see. Oh yeah, the new uh, Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome. I don't know if you're watching that. Dear Dad, in your last letter, you questioned whether it's my responsibility to join this fight. The truth is, we all became responsible the day we created the Cylons. We're the ones who let these robots become our servants, our trusted helpers, and even our friends. We let them into our lives only to see them repay our trust with a violent revolt against us. I know there's a lot of debate about why they hate us. But in the end, does it really matter? Kill the enemy or be killed. That's our reality. In a war where mankind's very survival hangs in the balance, it's up to each of us to make a difference. And being a pilot is the best way I know how to do that. Your loving son, William Adamo. You know, 
know, I saw you guys talking about it on the forum, but I have not started to watch it yet, but it's definitely something I want to check out. Well, one episodes one and two came out last Friday, and this Friday, uh, three and four came out, and I'll tell you, this show, I am really enjoying it. Now, there is a lot of uh, speculation that it was never meant to be a, a movie or series. It was always meant to be a a webisode kind of thing. I don't really care. I think it should be a show. Sci-fi has some horrible original programming. Um, you know, Eureka's over. Um, and they, what do they got? They got wrestling on there, I think. And a lot of... I mean, you know, put a put a cool space show on there. Yeah, it is, it is the sci-fi channel. Right. Well, whatever it is, it's not really... They changed the spelling, but not the pronunciation of it, which makes a whole ton of sense. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, since uh, Galactica went off, and our Star more, I should say, Stargate Universe went off the air, they haven't really had a space show on. And I actually liked Stargate Universe a lot, too. I was a big fan of that show. But every every show I like seems to go away. Uh, Last Resort, uh, that sub-drama that I was really getting into, that got canceled. So I hadn't heard that. Yeah. it just I just looked at a website that was announcing that a lot of the lower rated shows uh, are getting cancelled and apparently that was a lower rated show but I really liked it so oh. that's too that's too bad well on Revolution they said they're going to have a big uh, hiatus in between you know the first part and the second part and I don't think that's a very good idea yeah I, I and Revolution is interesting like I've watched I, I'm kind of behind on it but I, it hasn't really been grabbing me and I know it's pretty doing really well in the ratings so I'm sure it's fine I just I'm not really connecting with the characters in it for some reason, and maybe it's just me, but uh, something about it I don't. I'm not really getting into. But I, I'm not. I'm that way with a lot of shows. I was that way with actually with Falling Skies in the first season. And you know what? I really got into that show, and I think it's excellent. The last season I thought was excellent. So yeah, I've really liked that uh, that Revolution show. So, you're, really so it, it is good. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm just watching too many shows, and and. In comparison to, like, say, like end of the world or type shows, when you have The Walking Dead versus Revolution, I find it to be a very wide gulf. Um, <laughs> I think the quality on The Walking Dead is like just superb, and uh, you know, so maybe I'm nitpicking. I, I got, I have them on my on my uh, DVR, and I'll I'll get caught up, and maybe I'll get more into it. I mean, it's a, the the uh, the the production value on Revolution is 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 really good. Yeah. So. It's a good show. I did like the one where they had the train and the and they had the bomb on it and all that. That was interesting. That's probably the I think that might be the last one that I watched. Maybe the one after. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, be- so you, I'm I'm behind. Yeah, you might be a couple more behind. I think there was uh maybe two or three more after that. But yeah, definitely worth your time. So okay, and one more thing. I want to talk about the video game that I just got about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. It's called um it's called Dishonored. My dear Corvo, what a sad hand fate has dealt you. The beloved Empress dead, and everyone thinks you're the killer. But we know what really happened, don't we? You don't want to end your life to the sound of idiots cheering as your head hits the muck, do you? Let's see if we can do better. And to make things interesting... My mark. Consider it a gift.
yeah, I was interested to hear about this because I don't, I don't know uh, anything about it. Do you play? You have an Xbox or a PS3? I do have PS3. Okay, so it's on the PS3. Um, have, have you ever played um, Thief or Skyrim or games like this? Not too much. I uh, most of my games that I play a lot are on the computer. Okay. Well, this is a it's a first person um, perspective game. Um, it's a stealth. It could be a stealth game or it could just be a combat game. But it's uh, it's set in a, a plague ridden town called Dunwall or city. Really, it's an industrial city, sort of st- almost steampunk. Some of it is. It's uh, and you play a character named Corvo, and he's a bodyguard to the Empress. And then you get framed for her murder, and you get put in jail, and you get let, and you're and these guys get you out, and you become an assassin to uh, get revenge on the people that. Killed the Empress. Um, uh, it's a really cool. Uh, it's a really cool game. You get. It's sort of. Let's see. I don't. Uh, if for people who know, it's. It's got some elements of of a game called Bioshock in it, where you have uh, powers and weapons, and it's got some elements of games like Thief, which is stealth, and Skyrim. But it's not very open world. But it, the great thing about it is that you have. Multiple ways to play. Now I'm on my. I, I'm I'm just about finished with my second playthrough. My first playthrough, I played all stealth. I didn't kill anybody. And on this playthrough, I'm just like heck with it. I'll just start hacking people up. And you know the <laughs> the game does change. You know you can you know on how you complete the game. Uh, you're you know it does matter. So like if you go through the game not killing anybody, your ending is better because you know there's not as many bodies for the plague and uh, it's a happier ending. Whereas if you're more violent and killing people, it's a darker ending. Um, and you and the people in the game kind of uh, react to you differently. I I do like that there's multiple paths to your goals. You can walk through streets. You can go across roofs. You can sneak through sewers. There's always multiple. There's always like two or three uh, ways to get to where you want to go, or more sometimes. And there's usually two or three ways to complete your objective. You can. Yeah. So it's a um, it's a really really uh, interesting game. It's um it's not super long. It's not something that's gonna be you're gonna play forever like Skyrim, which I probably had about you know. 50 hours in or something ridiculous like that but it's um it's real unique it has a really cool design to it um really like it i really enjoy it it's it's fun and you know i was probably going to get a little bit overshadowed by uh, assassin's creed because that's a game that's probably considered similar as far as um yeah that one i'm familiar with yeah and that's and and i love assassin's creed and i i will be playing assassin's creed 3 uh very soon but this is a good game, and if you are into uh, into a kind of uh, games where you have choices and games where you can play stealth or combat, or if you have powers, it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's it's cool. It's a cool game. Yep. I well, recommend I was, it highly. I give it probably eight and a half, nine out of ten. Well, as Kirk would say, sounds like fun. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, any anything else? Any more new news? Any new news this week that I'm not remembering? I don't think so. No, I I think we covered most of it. Of course, there's always something popping up sometime, but yeah. Well, we're pretty we're recording pretty close to uh, we're recording this on Friday, so I don't think anything. Hopefully, nothing big will pop up. But that's for that's for Rico to cover. He's the he's the master. Yes, definitely. Now, in a minute, I'm gonna play a little earlier. You recorded a about a ten minute or so history on like a sort of like a history of Star Trek comics, um, and I'll play that in a minute and uh, you had some trivia questions that you wanted to do before that so why don't you yes. give why don't you give us the question 
Yeah, I have two questions that I came up with um, that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, most of us will probably know these pretty easy. But the first one is, which original series movie did not have a comic adaptation at the time of its release? And then on the other one, which TV series has never been made into a comic? I'm pretty sure that those answers are lurking somewhere in your history. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so um, now I'm going to play the um, the clip you made of the uh, history of Star Trek comics, and we'll come back after that, and then we'll um, we'll get into the meat of what we're going to discuss. I wanted to talk to everybody a little bit about the history of Star Trek comics. There are many different series from various publishers, and I'm going to try to touch a little bit on most of them. Let's start with the Gold Key series. This series started in 1967, while the original series was still being shown on NBC. It ran through 1979. I was surprised to learn how long that series ran for. The issues came out about every three or four months. There were times that they published them monthly. After 61 issues, Gold Key lost a license to Marvel in 1979. In 1979, Marvel published the comic adaptation for Star Trek The Motion Picture in a graphic novel. They began the series with the first three issues being a reprint of the motion picture graphic novel. Marvel's license from Paramount only allowed them to use characters and concepts that appeared in the motion picture. After only 18 issues, Marvel's run ended in 1981. Star Trek comics didn't start back until 1984 with DC. The story started after Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. So, for eight issues, there was no Mr. Spock. DC started in issue number nine to place stories after Star Trek III The Search for Spock. After a multi-issue showdown with the Mirror Universe, Kirk is given command of the Excelsior and Spock is given command of the USS Surak, which was sometimes depicted as an Oberth-class science vessel. With Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home taking place right after three, the series wiped the slate clean with Kirk losing command of the Excelsior and Spock returned to the state he was at the end of three. After The Voyage Home came out, the series continued with Kirk commanding the Enterprise A. Mike W. Barr and Len Wein wrote many of the issues in this series. There was even one called Chekhov's Choice, written by Walter Koenig. Barr wrote an eight-part story called The Mirror Universe Saga, which was put into a graphic novel. Michael Carlin and Peter David finished off the series. Most of David's stories were put into a graphic novel called Who Killed Captain Kirk? There were also three annuals in this series. After 56 issues in 1988, the series ended when Paramount required all tie-in licenses to be redone. After a year's hiatus, DC's second series began with the comic adaptation of Star Trek V The Final Frontier. They also used a new method to publish the comics that looked a lot better than previous series. This second series did not continue on from the previous one. The storyline took place mainly between Star Trek V and Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. The series fleshed out some of the changes between V and VI, such as Sulu's promotion to the Excelsior. This series lasted 80 issues with 6 annuals and 3 specials and ended in 1996. Just before DC started a regular series, for the next generation, it published a six-part miniseries in 1988 that took place during Season 1 of the TV series. 
and featured among the crew, Tasha Yar. Starting in October 1989 and being published at the same time as the TOS second series, DC began the first regular series featuring the Next Generation crew. The series took place starting during the second season of the show and going until just before the Generations movie. Except for three issues, this whole series, not counting annuals, was written by Michael Jan Friedman. One story that covered five issues of the series was called The Star Lost. It was also published into a graphic novel with the same name and has Captain Picard thinking half his command crew has perished. In another five-parter called War and Madness, it has everything from the Tholians, Kyle Riker, and the Borg. John Delancey wrote Annual Number 1 along with Michael Jan Friedman in a story called The Gift. It does feature Q along with a story about the Picard family. This series also lasted 80 issues with six annuals and three specials. This series ended in 1996. Malibu began publishing Star Trek comics in 1993 while DC was still running their two Star Trek titles. They only had the license to publish these Space Nine comics. The series took place during the first season through the third season and partly after Cisco was promoted to captain. Malibu also published annuals and one-shots. The first annual was a very good one with Curzon coming from a parallel universe and needing the help of our universe's Odo to prevent an all-out war between the Federation and the Dominion. It was called the Looking Glass War. There was also a war special that takes place after the regular series run that consisted of two different stories. There were also two celebrity series issues, one written by Mark Leonard and the other by Aaron Eisenberg. There were also two miniseries and a four-parter a crossover with DC. The series lasted 32 issues, two annuals, four specials, and two celebrity series. Malibu published until 1995 when the company was bought by Marvel. Malibu was to begin publishing comics based on Star Trek Voyager, but never got the chance because of being bought by Marvel, even though some art for the series showed up in Wizard Magazine. Marvel again obtained the Star Trek license in 1996. They published under the Paramount Marvel imprint. They published various one-shots and the quarterly Star Trek Unlimited. Unlimited lasted 10 issues and most of the issues had a TOS and Next Generation story. They also published monthly series on Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Marvel also launched an original series, Star Trek Starfleet Academy and Star Trek Early Voyages. Starfleet Academy took place during the Next Generation and DS9 timeframe, and Early Voyages was the adventures of Captain Pike and his crew aboard the Enterprise. They also did a one-shot crossover with Kirk's crew and the X-Men, and a Next Generation and X-Men crossover followed sometime later. Yes, Wolverine was on the bridge of the Enterprise and the Enterprise D. These issues were not a big hit with the Trek fans. Some other one-shots included the adaptation to First Contact and a Mirror Universe story, which is a direct sequel to Mirror Mirror episode of TOS called Fragile Glass, and a Borg story called Operation Assimilation. Other series published by Paramount Marvel were a five-issue series called Untold Voyages, which took place between Star Trek The Motion Picture and Star Trek II, and was written by Glenn Greenberg. Also, a Voyager miniseries called Splashdown ran for four issues. There was also a six-part story arc that took place in four of the series being published, as well as one-shot issue called Telepathy War. The agreement between Paramount and Marvel hit some major snags after about a year resulting in Paramount withdrawing support of non-TV series storylines. As a result, both Early Voyages and Starfleet Academy were cancelled, even though they registered strong sales. Marvel phased out the Paramount comic banner 
and the rest of the Star Trek titles lasted for about another year. After six series, one miniseries, and seven one-shots, totaling 93 issues, Marvel Paramount's license ended in 1998. Starting in 1999, Wildstorm, a DC imprint, began to publish Star Trek comics. They never did an ongoing series, instead just doing miniseries and one-shots. They also did some graphic novels. They published comics based on every series up to Voyager. They also published a one-shot of New Frontier, which is a creation of Peter David. In addition, a miniseries called Invector is accepted as a part of the DS9 relaunch. One of Wild Storm's best-known works would be the graphic novel The Gorn Crisis, which has the Next Generation crew on a diplomatic mission during a Dominion War going to seek aid from the Gorn. They also did three one-shots of Voyager, one which is based on the Elite Force video game. Another features a fun story about the Doctor called Avalon Rising. One of the miniseries was another Next Generation DS9 crossover called Divided We Fall. Wildstorm's license expired in 2001. IDW began publishing Star Trek in 2006 after no comic book company held the right to publish Star Trek. However, there were some Japanese manga novels released in 2004 by Tokyo Pop. IDW secured the publishing rights from CBS Consumer Products, and they continue to publish comics based on most of the Star Trek shows. For the first three years of their license, IDW only purchased the rights to publish comics from the two most popular Trek series. As you might guess, is the original series in the next generation. The company had the right of first, first refusal to the rest of the franchise, so they decided to expand, which they did. They published a miniseries adaptation in, of the 2009 Star Trek movie and a miniseries called Fool's Gold, featuring the Space Nine crew. What comes as a slight surprise to me is IDW has never published any comics on Voyager or Enterprise, but they did do one five-part miniseries on Peter David's New Frontier called Turnaround. IDW also published a lot of their comics with multiple covers. Earlier comics tended to have more covers, while the most recent releases had fewer covers. With the exception of the Next Generation Doctor Who crossover, the first issue of the miniseries Klingons, Blood Will Tell, had seven covers, and the first issue of the Next Generation Doctor Who crossover had six covers. IDW to date has published 30 miniseries, including Hive, in the Next Generation Doctor Who crossover, and continued to publish a monthly series based on the characters and concepts of the 2009 movie. The next miniseries IDW will publish is Countdown to Darkness, which is a prequel comic to the Star Trek Into Darkness movie coming out in May. Alrighty, so that was, um, that was pretty... What's the word I'm looking for? Historic? Historic. Uh, <laughs> extensive. I'm one of those words. You uh, you had a lot of information in there. Um, and one of the, uh, you know, one of the things, um, along with uh, all those different, the times it changed, license, uh, license changed from, uh, well, Gold Key was early, early. Well, that was in the 60s, but then it was yeah. Marvel, then DC, uh, back to Marvel, right? Then yep. there was that Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. and then and then IDW after Wildstorm. Well, that was the last yep. one. Okay, so you know, and I, I know that. Let's see. I'm trying to remember when I first picked up a Star Trek comic. It would have to be in that time period when Kirk was in charge of the Excelsior, um, and that was really weird how they had to 
uh, this is sort of a problem with Trek with with what the comic book series of anything that's ongoing have is they create their own continuity which is following the story and then they have to somehow uh fit their story to fit what's going on in the movie you know what i mean so they had to make it from kirk and having it at the excelsior and spock having his own ship to having it go back to spock being kind of dopey and then being on vulcan yeah they definitely uh bounced around quite a bit with a lot of the uh series and of course had to change their uh you know, the way they were doing it, they had to change the storylines to meet the movies and stuff like that quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, that that is interesting. I mean, I guess that's kind of probably why, you know, I mean, you can't really consider them to be, I guess, canon. They're not. No, you know? no. But, yeah, same thing with Star Trek. If it's not on the screen, it's not canon. Yeah, now, I don't know. Now, am I wrong in somebody I heard somewhere, like maybe some of the novels, like the relaunch novels were kind of in the canon, but I guess not really. Maybe sort of halfway. Yeah. Maybe the Deep Space Prob- Nine. Yeah, probably about halfway, because there's really nothing going to be ever redone with uh, Deep Space Nine, so they can pretty much go where they want with that. So, and I know there was a comic that kind of tied into the DS9 relaunch, too, so um, I think that was a IDW. Was that an IDW comic? No, that was a, was an IDW comic? I don't remember. Um, it was a uh, Wildstorm comic. Yep, it was just a, a short four-part series. Now, and there was a lot of um, writers on the um, on those comics that uh, that are pretty well-known Star Trek writers, as well as some of the stars of the series. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the uh, um, book authors have wrote a lot of the comics, you know, like Peter David, Michael J. and Friedman, um, even some of the more recent guys like that uh, Michael A. Martin and Andy Mangles, I think is his name. They've done a lot of the Enterprise books. Yep. Uh, Walter Koenig has written them. Um, yeah. Walter Koenig actually wrote one of the books, comic books. Um, George Takei and even John DeLancey uh, helped. Yeah, John DeLancey, that's right. Yep. Now, do you think George Takei really sat down and wrote, or did he uh, just uh, did he just dictate, no, I want Sulu to save everyone? Well, I don't know that he's wrote too much things, but I'm sure he had a pretty good uh, say in what was uh, being done. Yeah, I always wonder about that, because I know that, like, say, William Shatner, where he wrote the um, Star Trek novels that he wrote, were just sort of him sort of coming up with a general idea, and then uh, there was two other writers that ended up pretty much doing the bulk of the writing. Yeah. Now, one of his books actually was uh, released as a graphic novel, The Ashes of Eden. Oh, that was done as a graphic novel as well. Yep. It's it's actually, uh, um, I think it was actually a hardcover even. Yeah, that's interesting. I never knew that. I read the, I've read all those books, of course. Yeah, so I have too. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. See, my yeah, my Star Trek comic history. I mean, I've read so many now, but I'm trying to remember because, like, you know, it always gets me. Like some the ones in the eighties, like the um, the TOS ongoing, they had pretty good art. Um, and the and the but sometimes the art in them kind of gets a little iffy and when when the con- when the um when the when the likenesses are wrong sometimes you you look at the ships and the ships are drawn bad I'm like ah oh, it's uh, I guess I'm I guess I'm more yeah. I'm more picky with the uh, Star Trek comics than I am with the uh, regular comics I don't give them as much license but um I remember um I have a I have a bunch of old ones I got from a a yard sale somebody was just selling their old Star Trek comics and I was like oh sweet you know so I just bought them and there's some pretty cool ones there was um I think it was a two-parter where they had 
it was a TNG DC comic where it was uh, sort of like the best of both worlds, but they were in, the, in an alternate universe where the Borg won and Riker has like an eye patch and like a goatee and you know uh, <laughs> Picard is still a little cute. So that was a pretty interesting uh, uh, story. I'm not sure if that was Peter David that wrote that. It might have been. I don't remember that one. I'll have to look that up. After yeah, I believe it was called The Worst of Both Worlds. Oh, no. They've definitely had a lot of different ones. Um, I think Peter David is probably one of my favorite uh, writers, even you know with the comics, with the uh, novels, and he's been doing a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, um, the wor- yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it was it was called the worst of both worlds. I just found it, <laughs> and it was it was by Michael Jan Friedman. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was sort of an, an alternate universe where the uh, Borg succeeded in assimilating Earth. And I don't know, that one always stuck with me because um, Riker has, like, this cool eye patch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I love the alternate universe stuff. You know, they give. Oh yeah, me too. They have to like find some ways to uh, to differentiate them from their uh, regular universe counterparts. Anything, anything mirror universe or alternate universe, they're always fun, especially in the comics because they can just go wherever they want with it. Yeah, I've just been reading. uh, As I'm way behind on a lot of reading, I don't get to read as much. I get very tired and I fall asleep when I'm reading. But I have been reading um, the uh, collection of all the mirror universe books that they put out a few years ago. Um, and right now I'm reading uh, the Voyager one with Chakotay and the Rebe- and the uh, Terran Rebellion, and th- those are pretty cool. I, I really enjoy those. I don't know if you read those, but they were uh, they were pretty yeah, neat. Yeah, the, uh, like the Mirror Universe, the Myrid Universes and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah Th- this are... one, this is a, this was based in just in that, in that Mirror Universe from Mirror Mirror. It started off with a book about Hoshi... And then um, the next one was about Spock and how he took power. And then the next one was Picard and what he was doing in that alternate universe. And then uh, right now I'm on a story about Chakotay and Janeway. <clears throat> and I believe there's a New Voy- new Voyages one, which I've never read New Voyages really, but maybe one or two books. I never got into it. And I forget the other one. Anyway, it's um, th- I like it. I like What I like about the uh, Mirror Universe stories is that they can pretty much do whatever they want. They're not like nobody can sit there and say, "Oh, well that's that doesn't uh, fit with continuity." Well, it doesn't matter. It's an alternate universe. They can do whatever they want. Yep. Yeah, there's uh one there is a uh one of the books that they came out with, one of the comic books is uh called um it, I mentioned it in the history and it was about the uh it's a direct sequel to Mirror Mirror episode. And it was it was just a one shot. Didn't you know? It was a, what not a, wasn't a mini series, just a one shot book. And then they did come out with a uh, a mini series from IDW called uh, Mirror Images, and it's it's the original crew in it. Yeah, I like that. I love the Mirror Universe. It's fun. I D Space Nine. I liked what they did on there. It's always fun. It's always fun to have these characters kind of not be themselves. You know, to be sort of evil or just weird or different. You know, it's 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 a cool way to do it. It's a cool way to kind of expand the the characters. I like that. So, yeah, Peter David, he did a lot of... He did a huge amount of the comics in the 80s, right? Well, he actually worked on the Star Trek comics from 88 to 91. Okay. And then, of course, he's had... He's done a few other things after that, too. But his main run was during the uh, uh, DC years. Yeah. I had him sign my copy of... Uh, what did I have him sign? Q-squared, I think. 
It's one of my favorite. Ooh, nice. I was probably my favorite. I think that's got to be up there. It might be my favorite Star Trek book. It's definitely one of the best ones. He he's for the most part his Star Trek books are really really good. He's really got a good grasp on the characters. I didn't care for the latest one with um where he killed off Janeway. I don't know if that one uh the next generation one. It was pretty eh, two or three years ago. Yeah. yeah I think it was before Dishonor or something. It wasn't that good. Um but other than that, he's his, his, and Imzadi too was not as good either. But anyway, we're talking about comics, not my nitpicking on the novels. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I liked I liked the art on the um most of the stuff in the in the eighties. I thought that it was, and I I read them back and forth. But like I said, back then, uh, my comic books probably were like 70% X-Men <laughs> and uh for you know 20% Batman and 10% Superman so that's sort of where my comic books were I mean I was an X-Men freak back then which you think I would enjoy have enjoyed the Star Trek and X-Men crossovers but they were completely ridiculous yeah yeah not not a big uh favorite of of mine either oh my god I mean that I have both of them and they they even put out a novel too. I don't know if yes. you know, Planet I, Planet X, I think it was called. I have the novel and both the comics. I haven't read the novel. No, I, I saw no reason to. I, somebody gave it to me for Secret Santa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you like Star Trek and X Men. Well, yeah, but I've read I've read what comes before this, and it's horrible. Yeah. You know, it just <laughs> here's the thing: like the Doctor Who and uh, TNG crossover which I just read the first, I guess, I don't know what it collects, four issues, maybe the graphic novel, whatever it is. I've read the first half of it, I guess. And you know what? It's sort of a little bit more believable because uh, the art, first of all, the artwork is uh, captures the uh, the characters really well. I think that the likenesses are good. And the Doctor is a person. But when you put, like, uh, Spock, and then you put, Wolverine or Beast on the same panel, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't yeah. look it doesn't look like they're both people because uh Wolverine is overly muscled and Spock is, you know, a normal looking person, except for the pointed ears. Yeah, seeing seeing Wolverine on the bridge of the Enterprise just doesn't quite uh right. sit right. And they really tried their best to sort of I'm sure there was there was somebody at Marvel, someone whoever they were they really must have been a huge Star Trek fan and a huge X Men fan and just wanted somehow to make it happen and they they did too. They did the uh they did T O S and they did T N G. Now the T O S one uh involved Gary Mitchell, right? And uh they were I believe it was that Proteus had taken over Gary Mitchell. That's sort of how they explain that. And Proteus is a, is a, is a, a Marvel villain, mm-hmm. so that's how they're merging those universes. Yep, that was actually um, that first Star Trek, t- the TOS X Men. That was one of the first comics that Paramount and Marvel put out. It was one of their first ones. Yeah, I remember. See, that's when I got back into Star Trek comics. When and and really that that era, the Marvel era, that little short time period. That probably was as close to a heyday as Star Trek is ever going to have. That year you had First Contact came out, which was the biggest Next Generation movie. You had Voyager on screen, on TV, and you had Deep Space Nine on TV. Yep. So Star Trek was huge. And um, the um, Walden books in the mall, at the time I, I was running a store in the mall, and the Walden books got all of these, so... 
I uh, I would buy them all. I I bought all of those Marvel the, the the Marvel runs, and I really enjoyed um, I enjoyed a couple of. I I really liked Starfleet Academy. That was fun, you know. That was a cool series. That's it had um, uh, Matt Decker. <laughs> Another Decker. Yeah, he and he with the guy with famous lineage. He was sort of like the leader of their little squad or Red Squad or whatever Omega Squad. Sorry. And um, uh, there was a an Andorian woman, a girl. She was like the tough chick, and Nog is in it. Okay, I was getting ready to ask you if I thought Nog was in there. Yeah, Nog's in there. And then there's this uh, Vulcan to Prell, and she turns out to be a Romulan. I believe, and she's really revealed at some point to be a Romulan-like uh, agent. Yeah, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, let's see, yes, yeah, it was a cool series. I mean, there was a a trill. It it ran for like twenty nineteen issues. Ran for nineteen issues. Not very long, because a lot of those, as you said in your history, a lot of those kind of got got nixed because Paramount only wanted. Uh, properties that were were filmed properties to be comics. Yes, they didn't yep. want to have anything original, which is unfortunate because I think the original ones were the best uh, comics. The early voyages, I thought was that was also really really well. Yeah, early voyages and that uh, Starfleet Academy were both cut. I I don't know if Starfleet Academy. I don't remember if they were in the middle of a storyline. They were. They were in the middle of a storyline and never got resolved. So both of them did then, because I know Early Voyages, it, it stopped right in the middle of a storyline. Yeah, and so did Early Voyages, which is unfortunate. Now, the first issue of Early Voyages was like a it was like a, a giant issue, I guess. It was a bigger issue. That first issue was great. I just, I just read it the other day. I was digging through my pile of Star Trek comics. That is a cool story. It really is a cool story. And that was a... I love... I, I'm a sucker for anything um, unseen Star Trek. Yeah, and yeah. that and that is Pike Pike's Enterprise with with you know young Spock and Number One and all that. It is a really really it was a really cool series. The artwork in it was excellent. Um, the likenesses were just were awesome. Yeah, that Marvel series, oh, all the Marvel series had really really a lot of good art, and of course the IDW now. A lot of it is, I think, is really, really it's, cool. It's awesome, and the, the artwork. I mean, nowadays the art, art, artwork in most comics is, is is a lot better than it was. Um, there's a lot of talented artists out there, but um, it's just a. Uh, it's too bad that that. But that seems to be the way with 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 properties. You know, it, it, the legal stuff uh, gets in the way. Yeah, the, the the early voyages only ran for 17 issues. Um, and I, those are the two best series, and the other ones ran for a little bit longer before they they got axed. I think. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Voyager and the D Space Nine continued on for a little bit longer, as far as uh, um, the time you know the time frame of Marvel and Paramount. But thing about like the DS Nine comics, something that's kind of interesting is uh, with the Malibu series, it most of it takes place before Cisco becomes captain. And then in the Marvel, he's captain. So in the Malibu, you see him with hair. And in the Marvel Paramount, he doesn't have any hair anymore because he shaved his head. Yeah, and the the, the, the Malibu D, D Space Nine, they did, are they the ones that had the crossover with Next Generation? Is that the series that did that? Um, yes, they did have a crossover between Malibu and DC with Next Generation and DS9. And then there was also another... Uh, crossover 
when Wildstorm had the um, license for everything, they also did a four-part miniseries with both series. Yeah, that one, that Malibu and TNG, uh, DS9 and TNG crossover, that was really well done. Yeah, both of them actually were really good. I liked both of them really that, well. And the, again, the artwork in that DS9 series was was also really, really cool. I thought that was really well done. That was, uh, what was that? It was 90... Was that 94, 95 when that started at the Malibu? Uh, 93. 93, yeah. It was right around the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah. It started It started right at the beginning of the show. Yeah, and it was a really well done. It was a really well done series. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I guess because of just from uh, my proximity to that store where they had the those comics, that's probably the most uh, straight through that I've had. I've read through on um, Star Trek comics because I was able to get them. So I I loved all of them. I have them all. All those Marvel runs and the Malibu. I I I bought those DS nines too. I have a lot of those. I have a lot of the eighties ones and. Um, some of the IDWs now, like I was telling you about, the, there's no comic shop near me anymore, so I don't get the first runs. I gotta wait for the uh, the collections to come out. Which actually, IDW is really quick about their collections. Yeah, they do come. They good. They do come out with those pretty quick. Yeah. Now, most of my comics, I as far as Star Trek goes, um, you know, I was just picking them up, you know, here and there, you know, when they first. Start, I should say on the second series of Star Trek is when I really started collecting. And but I only was getting them here and there. I wasn't always getting them every week or anything like that. Right. And then um, somebody opened a store around here, um, and he sold um, old comics and uh, music and games. And I went in there and, and I had me a field day finding the books I didn't have for my series. So I filled a lot of holes for fifty cents each in, in that place. That's the, I guess that is the one good thing uh, is that you can use, if you, if you go anywhere where they're having like a long board sale, long box sales, rather, uh, you can usually find some cheap Star Trek comics because, uh, I guess they don't hold their value for the most part. So. No, most of them don't. Right. But they're still fun, fun to have and fun to read. Yeah. I've never really cared. I mean, I suppose if I had action comics, number one, (laughs) I would probably sell it, but it's not like I've, I've made like Oh, I'm gonna start. I have, I'm gonna start going through all these bins and selling some of these comics. But you know what happens when I go through the bins? I go, oh, this was a great one, and I just read them. So I mean, yep. it just doesn't happen. I know what you mean. Yeah, I either I, I I've I've done it a million times where I go out in those bins and then I just end up coming back into the house with um, a stack of comics to read. So <laughs> I don't. I'm not somebody that gets rid of stuff easily. Um. Do you want me to go ahead and answer those uh, two questions from earlier, and then we'll t- talk about some more uh, books? So, yeah, what were the answers to the trivia The trivia questions? I believe it was, what's the uh, one movie, the TOS movie, that didn't get a comic adaptation? And what was the one uh, Trek series that never got comic book adaptation? So what's the answer? Yeah, uh, the first one that never had a comic release during the time of its movie was Star Trek Two. However... Um, IDW did make a three-part series, um, you know, just a few years ago. And, of course, you can buy it in a graphic novel as well. But at the time of the movie, because there was no license, nobody was carrying a license for Star Trek comics at the time of that movie. Right. And then the uh, series that's never been made into a comic is Enterprise. Um, IDW, of course, is the current license holder. And I don't know if they'll ever make a Enterprise comic or not, but I wouldn't mind reading one. I wouldn't mind if they um, took sort of the, the the reins of where the book series has gone. I think that the 
the, the book, the few books that have followed the series were really well done. There was Kobayashi Maru, and then there was the there's two Romulan War books, and I believe there's another yep. one in there. Uh, what's it called? It was the one about Trip. Um, anyway, those are really really good books, um, and a vast improvement on how the series ended, as far as, far as the last episode. Oh um, yeah, definitely. You know that was horrible. As far as I'm concerned, if if I think that if you really were a fan of Enterprise, which I I really was, then you were not a fan of that ending because it was about more about it seemed to it ended on Riker and Troy. I mean, it just didn't it didn't sit well with me. And not only that, Riker and Troy don't look like they did. <laughs> they just no. They didn't. It didn't quite look. It was just a little bit off. You know. I didn't, no, they were. I think they were there cashing in a check because. It wasn't uh, much of a show to me either. So I wouldn't mind. I think that IDW, if IDW, and I think that as far as having the license, I think that the quality on their books is is uh, is wonderful. The IDW uh, comics are well done, and and they're they're well written. And I wouldn't mind. Let's let's, let's do an Enterprise comic for crying out loud. I mean, you got all kinds of uh, time after the series ended. I mean. I, that's a that's another part uh, uh, another part of Star Trek history that I'm pretty interested in that whole time period in between Enterprise and and uh, TOS and how the Federation gets going in all those early years I think it'd be a really cool um, it would, could be a really cool series. Well, they uh, released a series IDW did for Peter David's New Frontier, so I don't see why they couldn't do one for Enterprise as well and see how it goes. Yeah, again, I've, I think I've read maybe two or maybe three New Frontier stories, uh, probably because they're part of a crossover. But I'm not, I mean, other than I think uh, Shelby, I think, is a character in there from The Best of Both Worlds. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know too much about that series because, I don't know. I just never, whatever, I'm more interested in the the series that have characters that I'm familiar with. Yeah. What can I tell you? So that's well, it's strange that they'll do the New Frontier, but not Enterprise. Anyway. Yeah. Well, two of the uh, IDWs that I've read that I really liked as far as some of the miniseries is, uh, have you ever read uh, Leonard McCoy, Frontier Doctor? Yes. I have uh, that one. That is, that yes. is That's one of the better ones. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like this intro to the book. Um, it says, uh, Space, the Final Frontier, and on that Final Frontier beyond humans and aliens alike, need medical care. Enter Leonard McCoy, Doctor of Space Medicine, late of the USS Enterprise. But that's, uh, it's actually set in the year before the motion picture. And it's actually four different books. I mean, it's four different stories. Um, it's not like one long story. Yeah, that is, um, you know, as, as far as uh, characters, I mean, McCoy's one of my favorites. And yeah. I like to see what he's up to. And that was kind of cool because you know he shows up in in the motion picture with a hippie beard and a medallion, and you're like, what has he been up to? Well, he's got the hippie beard in the in the uh, graphic novel. Yep, absolutely. Yep. I love it. Another, yeah, another one of my favorites from IDW was Crew, and this one um, it follows the career of Number One from when she was a cadet to serving on the Enterprise under Captain Robert April. I don't know if you remember that name from from uh, some of the Star Trek novels. And it's a uh, five-part series that was supposed to take uh, place eight years before the cage. And, of course, shows her, shows her serving on a lot of different ships. Now, that, that uh, yeah, crew is excellent. 
I know. I really, really liked that a lot more than I thought I was going to. I got it on Half.com for, I think, $4. Um, because I was just looking for stuff to read. Yeah, you know, I get, in that, mm-hmm. I get in a mode where I'm like, I just want new comics or new Star Trek things I haven't read, and I look around for... And that is, first of all, it's John Byrne who wrote yes. and uh, uh, did the uh, pencil, the illustrations. And John Byrne is one of my favorite all-time artists and writers. Yeah, he's the one that did Leonard McCoy, too. Yep, he's awesome. And he's he did... You know the Superman when they redid um, after Crisis and Infinite Earths uh, in DC, which was a big crossover event in the '80s, where they sort of were going to fix their continuity, which of course never did get fixed in the end. Yeah. But, um, he did the relaunch of Superman: The Man of Steel, um, and he kind of redid Superman's origin. Uh, probably what you don't realize is that he redid it closer to what you know the origin to be nowadays than what it probably was before that. You know, he it's so I I like his uh, I like his art. I've always been a big John Byrne fan. He's apparently a huge Star Trek fan. He also did a, I believe he did a Romulan, um, a couple of Romulan books, right? I think for IDW. Um, there is one of the series of them I don't have, so I don't know if he's done both of those or not. Let me. Uh, there's one called uh, Schisms. Yes, he did Schisms, and that that was a uh, the Hollow Crowns. The other one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did do that one. Yeah, um, he did in the Alien Spotlight. He did the Romulans. That's right. Yeah, now th- some of those were really good too. I, I don't, I don't have every one of those yet, but I've been, you know, getting them as I go. But I uh, really have enjoyed a lot of those because it's you know just one little standalone story about you know the Andorians or Cardassians or yeah, they're col- or Romulans. Yeah, they're collected. I have both of them in um, two two volumes. Um, Alien Spotlight it's called and it has some really awesome awesome stories because it, it talks about sort of goes into uh, into uh, aliens and and what they're up some of the alien species uh, the Borg one is really interesting I thought that one was very very well done with the little girl at the end uh, I don't want to give anything away that yeah. one is well done the Romian one by John Byrne is really cool um, there's a Q one in volume 2 yep Yep, that one. That's the one of the ones I don't have yet. Actually, is the quick cue one. I can't, haven't got my hands on it yet. There's even a triples one. There's a triples one. Klingons, yep. obviously. So, yeah, that is um, those two collections, and I believe that you can get them for. They're pretty reasonable um, on Amazon. I've seen them for pretty cheap. I uh, I recommend those highly. The Alien Spotlight books. Those are awesome because I do. I enjoy uh, a story that you can kind of read, like you said, like a one shot, and it's sort of like. You know, a nice little self-contained story. Yep, get all the action in one in on uh, one issue, and you're ready to roll. Yeah, absolutely. So that those are really good. I like I said, IDW. I I I I love. I've pretty much enjoyed every book of theirs that I've read so far. Yeah, they've done an excellent job with that. I I hope they keep the license for a long time. Yeah, unless Disney decides to buy Star Trek too, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, another one of my favorites is uh, Debt of Honor. Do you remember that one? I mean, it's it's actually one that came out quite a while ago. Um, it was uh, published by DC, and it was actually during the time they were making the series, as far as the comic series, that is. And uh, it's actually a standalone graphic novel. It's not a collection of, of books from the series. Oh, I re- you know, I do remember that. I'm looking at the cover now, and I do remember that because a friend of mine had it, and I remember, uh, look- I remember uh, looking at that. Yeah. I got I I got the, actually the hardcover of it, and uh, the story actually takes place after the voyage home, 
it's actually got uh, Captain Kirk, and he's on a boat with uh, Gillian from Star Trek Four. Oh. And then he, uh, there's a bunch of flashbacks where he goes back in time, um, with uh, actually he's Lieutenant Kirk on the Farragut. Um, he meets up with a Vulcan named Tassel, a Vulcan woman, and of course they kind of fall for each other. And then uh, they he they come back to the, you know, voyage home time frame, and he's he's back with Gillian. He's getting ready to go on a mission, and he flashes back again. Um, one flashback is right after. Uh, the battle with the Doomsday Machine, and then right after the motion picture, but each time he meets up with this to sell, and she actually had become a uh, Romulan commander. Hmm. And then they end up having to join forces, and with the even with the Klingons, and they have to go and fight a uh, what they say a galactic threat that no government dares admit exists. So it's actually 96 pages long. It was uh, written by Cliss Claremont. And uh, I think that was just an excellent, excellent book. Well, I'll have to check that out. I'll have to find one, a copy of it, see if I can. I know it's not in print anymore, but I'm pretty sure I can track something down. Yeah, yep. The art in it was is just really, really good, even with all the uh, flashbacks. And, then, of course, the time frame of the book is mostly around uh, uh, Star Trek Four and Five. But very well done book. Yeah, I uh, I, I got to tell you, the thing is, is uh, I get up pretty early, so... I read a lot of graphic novels when I'm kind of laying down to go to sleep because a lot of time I, I, I like to read. I'm a big reader, but I get so tired, and so all the words, yeah. all the words in books sometimes like my eyes start to roll. But some, for some reason, when I'm, you know, enjoying the artwork and kind of reading the story, I'm able to sort of uh, stay awake longer, enjoy it. So I read a lot of graphic novels, and the Star Trek ones that I buy are are usually. I read I read reviews of them, so I don't I, I know there's probably some stinkers out there. I did, the Fool's Gold, the D Space Nine one, I didn't care for as much as I would have liked. Um, the artwork was kind of blah, um, yeah, and the story was kind of goofy. But it was I guess it kind of did remind me of a D Space Nine episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, well, I actually don't have that one yet. That's but that's one I do want to get. I mean, I, I'm a huge huge D Space Nine fan, so I, I want that book. I just haven't had a chance to get a hold of it yet. It's not bad. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just not like, let's say, if you're going to compare it to like one of those John Byrne ones or the or uh, the Alien Spotlight, it's not like in that range. But it's it's like a nice read. It's not bad. You know, they, that's the only. I think that's the only DS Nine that they've done. Um, yes, that's the only DS Nine that IDW has done. Yes, they have. They have not done Voyager or. Or anything else. Most of their books is always uh, TOS or uh, Next Generation, mm. except for that time they they did the New Frontier book. Now, am I wrong in where they have said that the the um, the current um, Star Trek ongoing series is sort of going to tie into the new movie? There um, going yes. To do something about that. Yes, the uh, series starting, I think. Um, there's two more issues coming out that are going to be based on the Mirror Universe, which we all know and love. And then after those two issues, um, I believe they're going to start having um, kind of like, um, I haven't seen a whole lot about this yet, but like standalone issues, like uh, featuring McCoy in one, Spock in one, maybe Kirk in one. And it's supposed to lead up to the End to Darkness movie coming out in May. Awesome. And uh, um, But they also have a miniseries coming out. Also in May, 
or I'm sorry, coming out before the movie in May, um, starting in, in uh, right now the tentative date is uh, January. It's actually called Countdown to Darkness. And it, I think it's supposed to be four parts, and of course it's a prequel comic to the Star Trek Into Darkness movie. That's going to be coming out. And as far as I know, that's the only uh, uh, new things I know of that they have coming out as far as what I've seen. So that's cool. So that's uh, I like that they're going to have a ramp up to the movie, sort of like they did with the um, the other movie where they had Countdown. Yes, exactly. It's going to be just like that. And I think that's why they kind of called it Countdown to Darkness, kind of on a you know on a you know playing with words from that. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure how much Countdown has to do with the act, whatever went on in the movie, because um, it was a little crazy. Yeah. Um, with they had Data as a captain and. Uh, um, the, the the Narada has Borg technology and all this other stuff, but um, it was it was cool. It was cool to sort of get in the, get ready for the new movie. I like. Oh it. yeah, I I liked it. I thought it was pretty good, pretty neat. So what do you think of the um the Doctor Who and Star Trek crossover? You know, I've talked about this a little bit on the forum too, um, because I I really do like the series, and I may be in the minority, but I'm not real big on the art style of the book, even though I really really enjoy the story. Hmm. You know, I like I like with with the uh, you know Doctor Who and Amy, you know, with the Star Trek crew. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy that. You know, them kind of working together and you know trying to solve the, you know, the uh, Borg and the uh, boy. I lost my uh, train of thought there. What's the? Who are the bad guys on Doctor Who? I you know you ever do that? Kind of lose your thought. Constantly, I have four yep. children. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like how they're. They're uh, um, going up and trying to stop that threat, but but like I said, I've I never really got in. I don't know why, but I just don't care that much. I mean, I don't think it's a bad art style. I just I guess I don't really care that much for it compared to what I normally am used to. I guess. Hmm. Okay, I like it. I think it's kind of different, and uh, it's it's nice to look at. And I think the, the artist gets the likeness is pretty good. Uh, except for Rory, I think Rory kind of misses out a lot on a few. Some of the panels he doesn't look quite right. But uh, for the most, yeah, for them, I like the art. I don't. I, I it's different, and I, I I like it fine. And it's a it's actually, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and I'm a big Star Trek fan, so that's fine. Get them together, even if it's goofy that somehow the TARDIS ends up in the holodeck. But what, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that <laughs> is kind of cool, though. However, they want to get it together. I don't really yeah. care. And, and I, I I like it, and I like the, the Borg and the Cybermen. Obviously, are very much alike anyway, yep. right? So why not have them together? Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, covers had uh, Picard coming out of the uh, TARDIS. I don't know if that was one of the alternate covers, but he was coming out of the TARDIS with the Doctor beside him. I thought that was actually kind of cool how they showed that on the cover of the comic. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I mean, I I've only read up to wherever this um, first book ends, and it, I, um. But I did I think, like they had a little uh, they had a little flashback to the fourth Doctor with Captain Kirk. I thought that was pretty fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. That you, you got the first four issues, I believe, in your book. Yeah, and then they'll they'll release the second one with yeah. the rest of them. It's only eight. It's only going to be eight uh, or eight uh, issues on that one. Yeah, I really am missing having a comic shop nearby. I got to be honest with you. You know. Yeah, like I said, t- today I went into. That was one of the ones I was supposed to be getting today was my Next Generation Who book, and he didn't have it there. And I'm like, uh, are you serious? <laughs> but he didn't. So I, I went without today. 
Yeah, I was pretty good friends with the owner, so I I always got my books. <laughs> he would let me behind the counter just to get my stuff, actually. Oh, I've never been behind the counter. Yeah, no, I, I, I miss it, but my wife doesn't miss it. So. Oh, I bet not. Yeah. She'd go, really? You spent that much? I'm like, oh, but there was variant covers and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with having multiple covers of the same book. Yeah. Try to explain that one to somebody who doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I have. It doesn't work. Right, exactly. It doesn't, <laughs> they don't care that you have multiple covers. Oh, but it's got a holographic thing. Oh, wonderful. That was worth four extra dollars, was it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> My problem actually wasn't so much the comics. Was a lot of times he would get some of the collectibles that I like, like busts and things like that, and I would get tempted by that stuff. And some of the DC Direct toys, which are like twenty bucks a pop, or you know, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about those alternate covers. Um, I actually for um the Star Trek Wrath uh, of Khan, I actually ended up buying um number one off of eBay, and it was the retail incentive cover. Um, so it was like a kind of like a different type of drawing of Kirk on the on it with the you know the Enterprise and stuff in the background, um, but uh, so I I've got a f- most of my covers are either A or B, but that was probably my first retail incentive cover that I got for any of my uh, uh, IDW books. Oh, so that was kind of fun to get that in the mail. Yeah, yeah, I uh, oh boy, the old days where I would buy f- four of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you uh? Um, I I have the first two issues of Hive, but I haven't had the chance to read them yet. Have you uh, been able to see those yet, or not? no? I have them on pre. I have it on pre-order when it's collected. Okay. So I have to wait. Um, I've seen whatever's online. You know, sort of, kind of. I don't want to be spoiled on. I want to read the story when I when I get it. But it's yeah. written by yeah. Brandon Braga. I mean, yes. Yep. So, so he's done more Borg stories than anybody. So mm-hmm. should be pretty interesting. I think to see yeah. where he decides to take it. Yeah, like I said, I haven't started to read it yet, but that's definitely on my uh, uh, agenda for uh, very soon. Yeah, I I, uh, I want to read. That's on. I have that pre-ordered. I have a few. I have um, the next Star Trek uh, ongoing collecting collection um, uh, pre-ordered as well. I uh, I do. I am into. I am more into the Star Trek comics now than I used to be. That's for sure. I I like what IDW is doing. I liked the Marvel run. Um, and I still have I have a lot of the old DC. What's your oldest um, your oldest one that you have? It's it's the DCs. I I actually don't have uh, any of the first Marvel series from back in the early '80s or any of the Gold Key. I don't I don't have any of those. Those um, those Gold Key uh, they have really cool like funky covers, you know, like old timey like '60s covers. I love them, you know, with like the funky writing and like the yeah. weird picture. Of like Spock with like a a beaker, you know. I mean, it's just it's just cool stuff. I like yeah. I love all that. But but they actually even back then they had some of their covers that had uh, actual pictures from the show. That's, on that's what I was saying. Yeah, it was like product. It was like um, what do you call it? like like uh, oh, what's the word I'm trying to like promotional picture uh, promotional pictures of like the of the characters, you know, like oh, I... like Kirk holding like that big laser gun or whatever. Oh yeah, okay. I know what you mean now. Yeah, or like Spock holding like a beaker of like some green liquid and looking at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never actually read any of those gold key books, but they're probably, you know, probably probably wouldn't um, recognize them as uh, 
Star Trek. But they, wow, they they had a run until 1979, Gold Key. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that in the history yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness. Yep. So they actually had the license until the motion picture came out. Yes, they had it all the way up to then, and they, uh, um, but they didn't release an issue every month, so they so they don't have like a, a you know a ton of issues because sometimes they didn't do it, um, maybe every three to four months, and then uh, but yes they uh, did that all the way up until the motion picture came out. They did collect those into uh, graphic novels too. They put all those into graphic novels, and it's also on a, uh, a Star Trek: The Complete Comic Book Collection uh, DVD. Oh. I don't know if you have that or not, but I, I have that, and it has all, I mean, it has everything up until, um, actually, after Wildstorm. So it goes, it has all almost everything in there except for the uh, IDW. It has all the Wildstorm, the Marvel, Paramount, Gold Key, all the DC, all the Marvels. So what is the artwork like in those old Gold Key books? It's, it's definitely uh, some uh, old-looking art. It's not terrible, but it's, you can definitely tell it's, from back in the 60s. Uh, and, and some of the stories really, uh, really kind of go off into uh, a lot of different ways um, from what the show actually did sometimes so that they really had their uh, leeway with how they did the books. Yeah, a lot of the books that were kind of written uh, sort of around that time period uh, when Star Trek was off the air, but it was before it was a, as big a property... They were kind of weird. Yeah. I have a book, I have an old Star Trek novel called Death's Angel. I don't know if you ever heard of this book. Mm-hmm. I have. It's a weird book. Have you read that book? I, I don't have that one. I know what you're talking about, but I don't, I don't have it. It's a, you should read it. It's really a weird book. <laughs> but, it's sort of like another Journey to, to Babel book, uh, kind of story with ambassadors on the Enterprise. And uh, it is a weird, weird Star Trek book. That's I that's all I'll say about it. It's got some weird stuff in it. But it's really yeah. a, it's really a, it's really cool. I I like it. But it's definitely probably wouldn't be written that way nowadays. So sometimes I like it in the older stuff. Uh, but that D V D I don't know what you can get it for, about forty bucks I guess, something like that. No, actually you can get it for uh, thirteen dollars and fifty nine cents on Amazon. Really? Yeah. Well yep. uh, that might be a purchase I'm gonna have to make. <laughs> and uh one thing I did forget to uh, mention also with that, um, they have some uh, what they call extras on the DVD. And they do have, I think it's five or six of those uh, records and comics that they put out. Oh, really? Yeah. So they got, of course, you don't hear the music, but you do have the you know, the comic part of those. So was it I music think, or was it like a read-along thing? I think it was actually more of a read-along thing. I don't have any of those. But on there, it said it's by uh, Peter Pan Records. Actually, put them out, I think. And uh, but there was, I think, five or six different ones of them, and um, you can read the story on there. Of course, it's not as long as a regular comic in most cases. But you are right; it is on Amazon for thirteen eighty. That is a bargain. Holy cow! Yeah, it's it's nice, and um, I mean, I'm missing a few comics um, from like Wildstorm. You know, a, a few standalones from the Malibu series, but they're all on that. So if I never find them to to complete my collection, I actually do have them. It's just not something I have in my uh, comic book box. Right. So you just read them on the computer. It would be so awesome if you could somehow get that to be on like a iPad. But I yep. guess that's not to be. I mean, that's uh, it's 
over 500 issues of Star Trek comics you can get for $13. Of course, you're not going to you have to sit in your computer and read them, but that is a bargain. Yeah, you get 500 complete printable comic books because you can even print them off if you want to. You can print them. Yep, you can print them off if you want to on some of them. Not, not, I don't think you can every one of them, but you can print them off. Because when you when you load it onto the computer, um, they have a thing over on the side where you can uh, print. Huh. But it's every comic book from July 1967 through o- October of 2002. Um, every comic book. So that's, that's a bunch. That's a crazy. But but the way they have it set up on there, it's uh, you know, you have your um, little icon for comics. You have one for the. Um, they have like a history thing on there too. And then, uh, actually, that's not where I got my information for that, but um, they have, like, a role thing where they talk about each character, like Kirk and things like that. And then he has that extras where, where it had those uh, records um, records and comic things. That... So so does it install, like, a game, or do you, do you just read it right off of the DVD-ROM? Uh, no, you do it right off the DVD-ROM. You, you, don't, you don't have to download anything except for uh, Adobe Reader, and which you probably already have that anyway, so... That's a that's crazy. I've seen some of those collections before for like uh, X Men and things like that. Um, yeah, I think I think Spider Man has one too, on one of those DVDs. Yeah, Spider Man. They did some of the uh, in book form. They had like big, thick black and white books where they collected all the old Spider Mans. I have some of those. Um, I like to. I just I, I just want sometimes I just want to read the stories. I really don't care if it's like in color or the original issue. I just want to read the stories. So. That that's definitely something I'm gonna have to pick up. Absolutely, I'll be getting oh. I'll, I'll be getting that in the mail next week. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, it's def- it's definitely worth it. And then, uh, I mean, especially with you know how well the uh, screens are on your laptops, your desktops anymore. I mean, it, it, the colors are really nice, and I mean, it just looks really good. And you can make it fit your screen better, so you don't have to keep scrolling back and forth and everything. I mean, you can keep it that way if you want to, but you can make it to fit better. I wonder if you can put it on your, um, like your TV or something. If your Blu-ray reads, um, I think my Blu-ray might read some of that. I don't know. May probably not. Probably you know, not. The, I think this is just a DVD ROM. Well, it is a DVD ROM drive, so who knows? I never tried that. Yeah, probably not. I doubt it. It would be kind of fun though, sit in my easy chair and just like read Star Trek comics on the big screen, you know. <laughs> and that, yeah, now that you mentioned that, that does sound kind of like be, that'd be kind of fun. I guess you can always <laughs> connect your computer to your TV if you want. You know. That's true. So, I think okay. Well, that we have a comment from um, from Rico. He uh, emailed me a comment about Star Trek comics that he wanted to put his two cents in, and who better to? So let me uh, play that comment right now. Greetings, Will and Chris, and everyone else listening to this special guest podcast on Star Trek comics. And I, I just want to say to begin with, well, this is Rico. I'll say that. <laughs> And also, thanks, guys, for doing this show. Uh, it, uh, you know, comic books have always, or, or for a very long time, been a big part of my life. I, I love comics. I, I read a lot of Marvel, DC, and Star Trek comics, and I've read a lot for a long period of time. Actually, Star Trek comics were probably some of the first comic books I ever read. I can remember reading the old Gold Key books in collected versions a, a very long time ago, back in the. Uh, the days of just TOS reruns and you know it was it was fun because there was a chance there to see new Star Trek stories that you know that was way before new series like TNG the movies and all that and 
And then that led later on, once the movies got started, I guess, into DC Comics and, and, and Marvel has done Trek Comics and IDW currently. Uh, you know, there's been a whole bunch of things. One of the things I was going to say earlier is that I remember there a long time ago there were these little records and there was a couple little record books with stories, kind of like a little comic uh, I think there was a little picture book in there with on a record. I don't remember the names of those. Somewhere probably in my collection around here, there's, I still have those things. And so that's sort of a comic-related Star Trek thing. But anyway, the the biggest thing really to say is that Star Trek comics have, have had a long life. There are a lot of varieties of different ones out there. I know that a lot of this you guys will be talking about, so I'm not going to do that too much. I remember also just recently in the last couple of years, they put out a lot of those uh, old Star Trek comics on a, on a – uh, computer disc so that you could you know read all these comics from days gone by and on all that so that's a a cool way to get uh you know a massive amount of trek comics and old stories to read i'm really enjoying the current uh incarnation uh that is going on there's an ongoing monthly series that follows the uh, star trek jj abrams universe that's been really good and there are also a couple of mini series going on the doctor who and the and the borg one called hive and again you guys are probably talking about a lot of this stuff but i, I just want to say I, I love comics i love star trek comics they've had their ups and downs you know that like all uh things over the years there have been some kind of clunker uh comics and there have been some really great stories in the comics too so again i just wanted to say uh you know a little comment in on this subject since it's so close to my heart and I, and i love comics and obviously i love trek and hey nine minutes of star trek in theaters on december 14th how about that huh that was a big surprise this week all right anyway guys thanks so much for doing this show this week uh, i'll talk to everyone next week on uh on my regular uh scheduled show so bye guys okay well thanks rico that was kind of covered a lot of what you talked about too yeah he's yep. been reading since the uh, gold key comics yeah, I didn't like I said I didn't get into it till uh, the uh, second DC series, but but now with that uh, DVD ROM drive, I can go back and read those gold keys. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. I'm totally getting that. Yeah, he mentioned about those record things too that he said that he uh, remembers those, and those are on that. Those are on that disc. <laughs> like, I wonder whose job who had to sit there and scan all that stuff into. The... <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it was just one guy. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was one guy that put this thing together. God, what a nightmare. I mean, you probably started off thinking he's a big Star Trek fan, and by the end of it, he probably never wants to see another Star Trek comic as long as he lives. Yeah. Well, if you go, if you get that and you're looking at him, on some of the covers, you can tell where they have been read. Like some of the, because there's graphic novels on there too. You know, some of those standalone graphic novels are on there. Like Dead of Honor is on there. Um, so if you. Yep, so if you want to read that Dead of Honor, you can read it on there. A lot of the Wild Storms that I don't have, uh, like one's called All of Me, uh, that's on there. But you can see the crease on the cover where he had folded it back. Oh, I see. So he just so, kind of so literally just laying the comics on the scanner. and It looks like that's what he was doing. I mean, it, but it, it, but it, it looks good, though. I mean, it looks you know very professional and, and very well done. Okay. Well, that's good. That's that's a good way for anybody to catch up on Star Trek comics. And if you want to read the IDWs, you know, go on Amazon and, uh, you know, get some of these. Uh, I would say get the um, get the collection of, get the first collection or the second collection of the Star Trek ongoing, which is based on the new movies. Those are really, those are fun. Uh, yes. Yeah, they uh, actually cover some of the, 
kind of do their version of some of the old episodes from the original series. And then, but they have their standalones. The alien spotlight ones we were talking about; those are worth getting just because they're they're um, just easy reads and they're standalones, yeah. and you don't have to like. I would say that the good thing about the Star Trek comics, uh, IDW does, is besides the ongoing, it's like just there's a lot of standalone sort of collections. So, you know, you can buy these little sections of stories, and and uh, you don't have to sort of be tied into the greater continuity. Like if you were, you can't just pick up like a, I mean, you can't pick up a Spider-Man nowadays. You no. know what I mean? It, and you wouldn't know what the heck is going on. I've tried. I tried that. I actually, you know, every once in a while I'll pick up like, uh, like an Avengers or a Batman comic. I let you know, and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no, I I normally start with number one, or I'm I'm out of the loop, um, and I don't even worry about it. But one of the things I don't like about some of the comics, I know this is kind of off off the Star Trek comics, but when they have like uh, series or stories that cover two or three series. And if you don't buy all the series books in that story, you're kind of missing half the story. Right. I, I, don't, I don't like it when they do that. No, I don't either. I don't like that. <laughs> yep. But he was talking about the IDW stuff. I mean, they have a ton of miniseries, and they're all available in a graphic novel now, as far as the some of their older ones. Yeah. So that's but, cool. I mean, there's a, there's a lot. I, there's no way to cover all the stories or anything, but I would say that there's some really, really cool stories, and a lot of the the art, the writers that you like from Star Trek novels and uh, have done some of the comics, so some of the, story, the stories are really well done. Uh, Peter David, like I said before, David Mack, who wrote um, the Destiny trilogy that came out a couple of years ago, which was really good. Yep, Michael Jan Friedman has done a lot. He's done a million Star Trek books back in the ni- yep. in the 80s and 90s. He was a big Star Trek writer. Yep. Um, so there is a lot out there. There's you're never any um, shortage of Star Trek to read. If you're bored, you can just find some uh, some comics and uh, have a good time with them. Yep. Well, Scott um, Scott and David Timpton has done a lot of the uh, T- IDW series uh, miniseries, and they're also, of course, the ones doing the Star Trek Doctor Who book right now. Right. They're doing and a then, they're doing a great job. Yes. Yep. And Mike Johnson is the writer of the ongoing series, and actually he's wrote every episode of that so far. Yeah. And again, that's that's a great series too. So dig into them. We're just we just like them. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong if you're a Star Trek fan. Go get you some graphic novels and some Star Trek comics. Okay. Well, I guess that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us. So uh, come check us out. Uh, Checks and Sci-Fi Group. We have a group on Facebook which everybody should be a part of. And we have a forum, treksandsci-fi.com. Yeah, I love that forum. And if you want to join, I think you just kind of send a message, email to Rico, and he'll sign you up. And uh, that's that. Um, yep. Thanks, Rico, for allowing us to uh, guest host this week. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's always fun to uh, sit in the command chair, even if i got to share it, which is... Yeah. <laughs> Not as cool. It's like the Janeway thing with Chakotay. It's it's one 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 chair. What is that? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad I got to do this with you, Chris. Yeah, we had a, I had a good time, and uh, we'll see you all next time. And uh, Rico will be back next week. So I'll see you later. Live long and prosper. Yep. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>